Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Soho Shortwave, a monthly podcast from Soho Radio, giving you a taste of the best content we produce every month. Soho Radio is an online radio station broadcasting from the heart of Soho, London. We have a wide range of talents and tastes across our music and culture channels. You're always bound to hear something new when you tune in. This month's episode is an isolation special. A collection of our presenters and hosts who are committed to bringing you their shows in this time of lockdown. In this episode of Soho Shortwave, we hear from Rough Trade Books, White Noise, Free Seed Films on Soho Radio, and We Call It Yaz. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello from We Call It Yaz. My name is Beth Hopkins. And I am Jelly Cleaver. And together we make We Call It Yaz. So myself and Jelly are very privileged that we live together at the moment, so we're able to make shows even in this lockdown. Um, and our show brings you the hottest jazz gossip, insider knowledge, uh, amazing interviews and hot new releases that, um, yeah, you wouldn't hear anywhere else. Basically, we, we work at uh, Tomorrow's Worries, which is at the very heart of the booming UK jazz scene. And we're also both musicians in that music scene. So we imagine ourselves as the jazz eagle soaring over the canyon that is great music. We are the very beak of this great music scene. So <laughs> you will want to tune in to hear all about us. We play on various Saturday mornings on the Culture Channel. Um, so if you want to find out when we when we are um, playing, you can check out our socials. It's at we call it Yaz on Instagram and Facebook. And you can always email us in as well at we call it Yaz at gmail.com. We want to hear everybody's releases. Um, but yeah, basically, I want you to jo- to join us in the weird kind of uh, our strange sense of humour. Um, and uh, yeah, we we really bring you the best of the best in this current jazz scene. You're about to hear a little clip of our recent show where we interview the amazing Sharice. Uh, so we hope you enjoy it and we'll hope to see you soon. So you just heard there a, a radio premiere of Akin Soul, I Want You, um, closely followed by um, Quinn Alton, a little bit crazy, mm. um, from his new EP. And yeah, Quinn's awesome. Like he is a, a proper jazz chops. Um, <laughs> he plays the saxophone, and he was actually playing um, sax in Moses Boyd's band when I went to see him at Electric Brixton. Um, but yeah, his solo project's really interesting. Um, it's kind of like a, I guess a lot more pop and singer songwriter influences, mm. and I think he's playing a lot of different instruments. Like he plays guitar, and um, I had him play at Jelly Jams a while ago actually, and he's he's doing some really cool bits where he's even. Um, got like um his vocals going through the guitar what yeah and like so you know how um some keys players like jacob collier and stuff like they can have their voice split with their keys yeah yeah um to have like all these um cool melodies yeah um, from their voice and he's done it with his guitar how has he done that super sick yeah honestly following him on instagram is so cool because mm. he puts these videos together of him sat in different places in one room playing all different instruments and then puts it together and he's playing a song by himself <laughs> but with like 
six different things happening. Yeah, he's very technological. Yes, we are not quite there yet in the technological sense. (laughs) Trying to put things together is confusing, especially with our internet. I mean, we struggle with this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I love those two tracks. They're so sick. And mm. I think, um, yeah, we, we'll see a lot more of those two over the next few years. Mm. And there's a couple more people, I suppose, especially within our household mm. um, and within Tomorrow's Warriors' female front line. Mm. Um, yeah, which it, uh, does what it says on the tin. Mm-hmm. It's Tomorrow's Warriors and it's an all-female band. But there's a lot of projects that are coming out of that, like mm. from individual people. Um, so obviously you've got, Jelly Cleaver, who's mm. sat here. Um, we've got Hoverfly, who uh, we interviewed last week, last month. We also have Kasha Constance as well. Mm. Um, and check her out. She's got some new tunes coming up very soon, and yeah. they sound incredible. Yeah, they're going to be so sick. Um, also, we've got Queen Colobus, and we've also got Lucin Muscovian, oh who <laughs> is has been described as the next Amy Winehouse. Mm. Um, serious talent and someone that you're going to have to watch. Like, unbelievable stuff. And she's about to release her first ever tune. Well, I like, when I... So I was, I was listening to it this morning and I literally just started willing up and just cried because <sighs> I, just, I just... Her voice is so moving and beautiful and her songs just have so much, like, love and compassion in them and mm. they're just so good. Um, so this this actual recording session was done. Um, the studio engineer is Jess Camilleri, who's a good mate of ours and mm. unbelievably talented. Yeah, go check her out, Jess Camilleri. Yeah, yeah. and um, also really good at looking after plants. If you check out Instagram <laughs> account, um, and uh, yeah, we just got into a room with Is- Isabel Burnham, who we mentioned before. Mm. Tash Kiri, who's our housemate in every single band. Mm-hmm. Um, me, uh, Lucent, and her sister, who's an incredible flautist. Yeah, and. Just had a baby. And a, yeah, a new mother. Yeah. Um, and the baby was in the belly during the, the time of recording. <laughs> so cool. Uh, and, and yeah, actually, her sister had to keep sitting down because she felt sick. So no fun, fun story there. Jazz yeah. baby. Jazz baby. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, this, and we, we literally just got into a room old style, old style and just put this down. So there's been very little editing on this track at so all. So beautiful. It Honestly, I'm, as, I, as it sounds. I can't, I can't wait to, to kind of hear everything that she releases. And mm-hmm. stay tuned as well, because after this song, we're going to be talking to Charisse, uh, who's an amazing vocalist, composer, flautist, kind of everything. Um, yeah, we're really excited to be speaking to her as well. But firstly, we're going to play this complete exclusive, radio exclusive, um, which is... World exclusive. World exclusive. Mm. Universe exclusive. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> but which universe? <laughs> <laughs> what is jazz? <laughs> <laughs> So this is Lucin with Warm Mountain. We are super excited to have uh, an incredibly talented vocalist, composer and flautist on our virtual sofa today. Uh, This woman has inspired loads of people on the scene at the moment, is featured on loads of really cool tracks and is a triple threat. So we're really excited to introduce Sharice. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, we're all right, considering <laughs> yeah. the circumstances. It's, it's a little strange, but, um, yeah, how yeah. how are you holding up? How's how's everything your end? 
I'm, well, I'm holding up. Yeah, I think um, this has become a time of reflection and um, uh, trying to be grateful for everything that I have and that we have, despite all of the uncertainty and turbulence. Um, gosh, what an interesting time to be a creative, right? Yeah, do you know, that's something that, that we're quite thankful for, I suppose, in this house at the moment, for actually being mm. a creative, you know, that you have things that you can work on, you know, and that inspiration is, is within you. Um, yeah. yeah. Are you finding yourself particularly creative at the moment or perhaps not so and just relaxing around? I'd say the shift has changed because in 2019, like, I was very much operating on a go, 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 like, um, kind of mentality. Mm. And the purpose of being creative um, had very specific um, end goals. Like, I'm creating this song to go on an EP. I am, uh, you know being artistic because it's going towards a specific project that will be showcased in a specific way. Mm. So now it's saying, um, you know, tapping into that creative force without any necessary end goal. And it makes me feel a bit like a child again. Uh-huh. Um, get back to it. You know, when before we decided to lay our entire livelihoods onto these things, they, they were hobbies and they brought us joy for the sake of joy, you know? So... Mm. I love I love that that is that that opportunity is there for us again that's a really amazing point you make there I Mm. didn't really think of it like that but I suppose it is getting yourself back to why you're involved in in music it's that it brings you joy or whatever emotion that that specific tune evokes and yeah Mm. just kind of bringing you back to your roots in that sense so something we we've been talking about on this episode is the importance of loads of different cultures and loads of different yeah. genres and influences that is what makes the london jazz scene what it is um yeah and and also the importance of community and uh and so we were wondering i mean where did you find your community in london i found my community uh at 16 when i went to uh tomorrow's warriors uh for those who don't know tomorrow's warriors is an organization that educates and inspires um young young aspiring musicians uh, particularly people of color and women um when who with an interest in uh jazz and i'm really grateful that the stars aligned and i met all of these amazing musicians and I, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't call them colleagues. I just like, every, all of us are friends. Like mm. it's a family. Um, and, uh, we've all evolved together over the past, gosh, is it like nine, 10 years? Mm. It's insane. You know, um, like when I was 16, so that must've been 2011 or 2010, so it was 10 years ago some of us were come, coming to our instruments for the first time and taking baby steps but we were doing it under the um the really nurturing and supportive eye of gary crosby the leader of tomorrow's warriors so so and he taught us to be kind to each other to play with each other to support each other um and that's created the community that all of this beautiful music has come from mm. um we yeah. love tomorrow's warriors mm-hmm. <laughs> i suppose we're biased <laughs> <laughs> we 
Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. Another question we wanted to ask you is something we've really noticed about your performance is actually your style yeah. is almost like theatrical. It's quite, you know, yeah. storytelling focused. Um, yeah. And so obviously you've got your uh, other project, which is Evelyn and the Yellowbirds mm-hmm. as well, which yeah. Jelly plays guitar for, um, which is yeah. all about telling the story of your grandparents. And so mm-hmm. we wanted to ask, you know, is it important for your music to tell a story? Oh gosh, yeah. I found that it's some it's feedback that I've gotten, and I'm like, oh really? Oh okay. So <laughs> the theatricality, and I've kind of eased into it because yeah, that's that's um one of the only ways that I feel I can get into it, like truly lock into the pocket of a performance, as if I I have the reason why I have the unique perspective, I have the story. Um, and I think maybe there's a bit of, like, a baby actress in me. That's a craft I want to take some time to develop. I've done some acting projects in the past, and, you know, that's a little side thing on top of all of the other things in the portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a triple threat. You really are. <laughs> oh, gosh. But uh, I'd say, yeah, it's just trying to hammer home the, home the truth of a story. And as a vocalist, as a jazz vocalist, we have something so unique compared to instrumentalists we get to improvise the same as everybody else but we get to improvise through words and Mm. and um you know verbal sounds so when a story evolves in your head as you're on stage or holding space in front of people that's such an addictive moment Hi, I'm Joe Harvey White, one half of White Noise, a bi-monthly show on Soho Radio's Culture Channel. I guess what makes our show unique is that I co-present the show with my dad, Michael White. White Noise is the product of years of musical cross-pollination between me and my dad. Ever since I can remember, we've been sharing music through all my different musical phases growing up to now. He's influenced me and I've influenced him. I now work as a session pedal steel player and he was at one time signed to Island Records world music label Mango. So our music selection often crosses many different genres. Tune in every other Monday for an exchange of stories, musical influences from past and present, plus interviews and performances from special guests. The clip you're about to hear is from our most recent show, which tells the story of how my dad went from being an English teacher in the East End of London to a house music artist signed to a major label. Our guest this time is legendary house music artist and producer Paul Carter from the Beatmasters. We talk about the house music scene in the early 90s and how it's still influencing modern music. So that was Kassal and a piece of Zoot music. And uh, that came into my world about 1985, Joel. In East London, I was, uh, you know, I was a teaching. And back then I used to have a record player in my classroom and at lunchtime and at breaks, kids would come in and they'd bring in bits of music, 12 inch singles of the latest stuff they were listening to. And the whole house scene was burgeoning back then. And that was something that was brought back in. That was brought in by a a kid on a French exchange. Really? Beautiful track. Yeah, yeah. And and I remember you telling me a story once about how you used to have a, a record player and a cassette player in your classroom 
Yeah, it was just that that was one of my major passions, music. And, you know, just like uh, rather than go and sit in the staff room having boring conversations sometimes, I would just be in my room and listen to music and uh, kids would come in and we'd just end up chatting about music. They'd bring stuff in, I'd bring stuff in. And it was a kind of, a, it was a meeting point. I, I heard a lot of my early dance music, my early house music from those kids back in those days, you know. That's really interesting, you know, and had you not been there, then perhaps the creation of this track wouldn't have never would never have happened. Well, that's possible because um, I started listening to a lot of pirate radios around that time, uh, being exposed to uh, just dance music and loved it and uh, started to integrate that with my guitar playing a bit, you know, so um, like I said, I was listening to all sorts of African guitar and things and uh just as a kind of melange of all those ideas, this track emerged. I, at home, I'd been messing around with a kind of a little Fostex four-track recorder and drum machines and synths. I'd got hold of some basic cheap stuff. And uh, over a period of time in 1989, I made this track. Yeah. Um, and one of the, little, one of the sorry, things I remember as a kid, you know, we'd often exchange music in, in the car uh, you'd play me cassettes on in an old VW Golf, um, and well. one of the first times I remember hearing that kind of combination of of African music and dance music was another Mori Kante track, um, a track called Yeke Yeke. Oh yeah, I remember that. Um, somebody somebody did a great house mix of that. We got that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why don't, why don't we play that, a bit of that? That would be a good thing to play. So here's you here's some um, some early mixtures of 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 house and and African. This is Yeke Yeke by Mora Kante. Yeke Yeke by Mora Kante, the short mix, apparently. Um, what a great track. Yeah, beautiful mixture of uh, that. Like you said, that was the first time I'd ever heard uh, anything on that African tip uh, translated for the mainstream, you know. Uh, yeah. Very clever stuff. I don't know who mixed that. It was great. And um, um, we're going to be joined very, very shortly by Paul Carter from the Beatmasters, our special guest for today. And we're going to be talking about house music and, and, and Dad's track, Can't Step Twice in the Same Piece of Water. And for anybody who doesn't know uh, the Beatmasters, they were part of that seminal British house scene in the late 80s, early 90s, along with bands like S-Express. But later, the Beatmasters became much more famous as a production outfit and remixes. They remixed for people like Blur, David Bowie. They produced uh, Pet Shop Boys, Mark Allman from Soft Cell, absolutely everybody. And uh, Significant, yeah. Yeah, a really significant outfit. And how did you reconnect with Paul, you know, when you were making your track? Well, by coincidence is a weird thing, isn't it? I just happened to be working in my room one day on the track and turned around and noticed uh, that Top of the Pops was on with the sound. And I saw my friend Paul Carter on Top of the Pops playing keyboard in a band with P.P. Arnold singing. Well, and that track and I thought, was... What? That track was Burn It Up, wasn't it? Yes, and I think we're going to play that for you right now. Yeah, let's hear it. This is Beatmasters and P.P. Arnold, Burn It Up. It's not simply a question of getting hot, but a matter of how much heat you can take. 
But yeah, the main, the main reason we got you here today is because we're kind of doing a little um, a special on house music, a special on, on my dad's track specifically, which you were, as um, yep. the um, Secret Promotions PR little kind of spiel says, the mighty Beatmasters, you, um, you, hey. <laughs> you produced the track. But the question I, I was wanting to ask you or talk about was that 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 era of Wardour Street. You know, we made that the first demo on Wardour Street in your studio. Do you remember that? I do indeed. Yeah, <laughs> it was a beautiful afternoon, sunny afternoon. I yeah. can't remember what time of year it was, but I do know it was a beautiful day. Yes, Sun was so pouring. Right. We we were fortunate enough to have a recording studio that had an actual window, yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. which. Uh, <laughs> Which looked out, which looked down over Wardour Street and Berwick Street. It was right opposite Berwick Street at one oh, point. So Just around the corner from where Soho Radio yeah. is. Right. It was a company that made TV jingles for TV adverts. And we made the uh, the Y mix there, which ended up on the 12 inch single, didn't it? On the Mango 12 inch. Yeah. Do you remember? You know, I remember you with that big emu SP twelve hundred uh, sampling drum machine. I can see yes, on that. Yes, that's absolutely crucial. In fact, that drum machine is in is in a photograph that you sent me earlier on today. Funnily enough, in the background. Yeah, we've been sharing photographs ahead before this yeah. um, before this meeting, and yeah. there's, there's some amazing stuff. I mean, seeing pictures of, of both of you looking so young is amazing. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so we were there. We record. I remember playing the guitar for hours. I remember that. I remember you. You had sent me, I think, a, a cassette of a rough demo. Yeah. And I really liked it. I just thought there was something about it. And it was at a time where house was moving forward a little bit from the from its pure form in this sort of mid to sort of sort of eighty five to eighty eight era. It was moving. It was getting much more experimental. You know, all different forms of house music were starting to yes. come out. And I just thought, why not mix this kind of African vibey thing that you've done with a house tune? Absolutely. You know? And, and um, I mean, at the time, I was listening to an awful lot of African music. I was listening yeah. to South African Soweto stuff, and you can see where that comes from, right, with that bass line. Uh, palette of ideas, really. Palette you know. of ideas. Not too many. Didn't want to make it too busy. Just a bit of fun, you know, and that little yeah. bubbly bass line at, and, uh, and the guitar is what carries it, really. That bass line and that guitar that Paul just commented on that I played was slagged off something rotten when yes. the track was reviewed on Radio 1's round table. And who were they slagged off by? One of my fucking heroes. Yeah. When I was a kid growing up, a few a decade earlier, I'd been listening to The Idiot and Lust for Life, those Berlin albums, Hansa albums that were almost like interchangeable with Lowell and Heroes, man. The Idiot. Iggy Pop was one of my fucking heroes. So am I overjoyed when I hear that when the track comes out, finally, it's going to be reviewed on Roundtable by Iggy Pop. He slagged it off something rotten. And I believe you Didn't got... he like it? He just thought he'd rip the ideas off. I don't think he liked it, Paul. Oh, believe it or not, I've managed to digitise that. Um, Dad, Dad has a recording of You're this joking. of this round table and uh yeah You're here, here on, no, no. on uh you've got the actual recording i have the actual recording and i'm gonna play it i'm gonna play it for you both now so we can all um cringe uh, oh, simultaneously 
Can All I right. just say something, Joe? This is really still. It took me ages to get over this, and you're just making me revisit some major trauma uh, in my life. I can, I'll, I'll I can tell imagine. you after you've, after you've listened to this, I'll tell you something nice that happened to me regarding this record. Okay. Oh, thanks, Paul. Right. Well, here's um, here's Dad's track on Radio One Roundtable, and uh, brace yourself. Can't step twice on the same piece of water. Teacher on Roundtable. Let's get a wiki pop on that one. Give me a break with the Zen the disco. Zen disco message. Christ. Oh, no. Hey, there's no, a whole that, universe that, in the end of my finger. That guitar riff. That guitar riff was well played. Yes. It's that, but it's like that. That same stupid disco beat, and the percussion was percussion was not good. And you know, the philosophy uh, was, was really yeah. There was like no, that. there was nothing real going on in the song. Going to make you go back over all these records in your mind in a second. You know, concentrate, oh, right, yeah. get a mantra going, and pick your favourite. Liz Kershaw, what about that one? Well, he said it all, really. I mean, it's bouncing. It's, it's it bounces <laughs> along, and uh, yeah, I don't know if it's it, the riff. It's that riff. That riff's all right. Yeah, it's happy, and sometimes it's a bit jingly jangly African. Yes, it That's, did have that. Yeah, that was the only didn't good it? part. If yeah, you took so, all that other stuff out yeah. and just built from that, would have been. I bet they ripped that off some African record. Yeah. what they did. I'm Ben Ramble. I'm Holly Horn. I'm Alice Platt. And we are Freaky Films. On Soho Radio. That sounded insane. We don't even have control over this edit. Don't stitch me up. So we're a film company uh, that does uh, music projects. And we have a radio show. And we talk to people and we play music and it's pretty cool. Yeah, we have uh, eclectic guests. Cool music, I think. Well, me and Ben would think it's the best music. I'll stay well clear of commenting on the music. I don't do the playlists. (laughs) (laughs) We usually get the guests to choose um, six of their favourite tracks, the tracks that mean the most to them, um, which we talk through as well with general chit-chat about their life, their work, and at the minute, what they're doing in lockdown. Yeah, and our last guest that we had on the show uh, was Glenn Matlock from the iconic Sex Pistols. You'll hear 10 minutes of that interview now. Uh, Yeah, it was brilliant. Our show goes out on Soho Radio's Culture Channel every Thursday at 10am. Holly, do you want to say something? Well, there's nothing really else to say, is there? (laughs) (laughs) London, you listen to Free Seed on Soho Radio. Glenn Matlock. How are you doing? We're good. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. How's quarantine? Do you know what? I'm, I'm quarantined with my mate Elf Slick, who got stuck over here. <laughs> really? Um, we both remarked that it's not that much different from a musician's normal life, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I've been quite um, sort of lucky. There's a couple of little local coffee shops, which I normally used to set outside anyway, and now you can't sit outside, but you can just hang about in the corner, socially distanced from anybody. And yeah. there's a little bit of a stellar street never I am, so I'll be bumping to a few people. <laughs> yeah, I've been getting on doing jet washed the patio out the front and the back. Realised I missed a bit, had to do a bit more the next day. Wow, that's... So, you know, rock and roll. Glenn, you studied at Central St Martins. Did you always wanted to go into the arts? Um... I didn't really know what I wanted to do. The reason I went to art school, I could sort of paint and draw a little bit at school. And um, But I'd read that every band that I liked had started off at art school. So that's kind of why I went. I wanted to kind of get in 
to a band. And, and the, the funny thing is, is I found a band outside of art school, but then booked the first initial pistol shows, which were all at art schools, because that was my contact. So I sort of did it the other way around. I only went there for a year. I did a foundation course. I got into the degree of fine art painting, but didn't realise that it was quite such a big deal. And in the summer holidays between the two things, I decided to take the pistol seriously. I didn't go. And it's my, maybe my, one of my biggest regrets in life. Oh, you regret? Well, I could have probably done both, to be honest. Yeah. Would you ever go back, study art? I thought about it a couple of times. Mm. But the problem with me is I know it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, the punk scene was very arty, though, wasn't it? It was a very art school scene, don't you think? Well, the, 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 for some of us, it was. I mean, right. you know, Mick, Mick Jones went to art school and Keith Levine and mm. Vivian Albertine and a few others and stuff. What was good about art school, it was a real mixture of people from different sort of stratas of society. I mm. mean, there was some real... Mm. Ne'er do wells at my place, and in St Martin's next door there was a sandwich bar which is still there that sold cigarettes, and they sold Sobrani cocktail and Sobrani black Russian cigarettes purely for the Debs who were doing fashion at St Martin's. So, oh, really? <laughs> you know, there was a real mixture. Screaming Jay Hawkins, why did you pick? I put a spell on you. Because I think it's the best vocal performance. Ever, mm. it's a great, it's a great song. There's yeah. really good versions of it. Nina Simone does a great version. I particularly like um, Creedence Clearwater's version of it. Oh, I never heard that one. Just check it out. Yeah. It's, I think, I think it's on Cosmos Factory, and it's about ten minutes long. Right. It's, um, no, it's good. <laughs> um, but Screaming Jay Hawkins' version is great, and it's he's the bloke that Alice Cooper ripped off and. Arthur Brown and even that modern-day toss of Marilyn Manson. <laughs> I don't know if you call it rock and roll. What would you call it, actually, Screaming Jay Hawkins? Uh, sort of R&B, original R&B, really, with a twist. Blues, yeah, blues r His voice is... <laughs> Holds the world record for the most children as well. I thought that was Paul Weller. <laughs> <laughs> I put a spell on you. Kilburns to the Blockheads then, how, how did that compare and seeing them live? Because obviously they, it was a very different act, wasn't it? Yeah, it was even more polished, it was a little bit more jazz rocky. It's, it's funny they came from punk, but there was a lot of jazz kind of influences mm. and they're much sort of better players. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all topped off with Ian's fantastic lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Ben, are you sick of talking about the past? All depends what side of bed I got out in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? But there are some questions that must be just like exhausting. Yeah, it all depends how they're put somehow. But I'm, I'm, mm. I'll tell you what. Do you want to hear a silly story? Yeah. Because there's a time and a place for things. I had to go to the hospital to have a checkup and have the camera up that. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I was a bit nervous, and you have to lie on your side with your legs up. <laughs> and there's a screen, and I, could, I, I can tell you I'm not full of it because I could see. Right? <laughs> but when it was uh, its furthermost, the bloke could tell I was a bit nervous and decided to engage me in conversation because oh. he hadn't said much before. I thought he had no idea who I was. And he said, oh, Glenn, tell me, what's Johnny Rotten really like? And I said, mate, there's a time and a place for it. <laughs> to James, I just want to make love to you. Uh, why yes. that track? Well, a lot of people are in isolation at the moment and not getting to see their other halves, so 
Oh. There you go. Oh, that's nice. And it's, it's a pretty cool track, and I love it when the, the swooping strings come in. Mm. Swings. Yeah. And it's just because I get a bit fed up with punk stuff. All the way through, and I like it to swing a little bit more. Yeah. I like my music to swing a bit these days. Yeah. I don't want you to be no slave. I don't want you to work all day. Hello from Rough Trade Books. I'm Nina. And I'm Will. We run Rough Trade Books together from our home, come office, come warehouse. And we started our regular Soho radio shows airing on the Culture Channel every Monday from 2 to 4pm. So we've got a few different shows under the Rough Trade Books umbrella uh, and we're here today to tell you a bit about them. First up is Stress Test, which describes itself as an anxiety dream made real. Presenters of this show, the writers Joe Dunthorne, Martha Sprackland and John Osborne, invite a guest poet on each month to produce new poems under time conditions and read them aloud there and then. Then we've got Irregulars, which is what we call the one-off shows that Rough Trade books authors or friends come up with. It's pretty loose. Words and Music is writer Anna Wood's show, where she chooses a book as a guest. Anna reads from and talks about the book and plays songs the book might like for company on a desert island. And lastly, we have the Rough Trade Books Club, hosted by editor and Rough Trade Books author Matthew Clayton. Each month, guests from the literary world, authors, agents, booksellers or editors, bring Matthew their current book recommendations to chew over. Regular features include My Own Poetry Corner and Nina, the boss, shining a light on a Rough Trade Editions pamphlet. There's plenty of tenuous musical links and lots of literary bluster. Here's a section from the latest show, featuring Gail Lasder from the London Review Bookshop. Okay, Gail, do you want to explain what that was then? That was Wildflower. And who is singing it? Uh, so it's uh, Dolly Parton, Emmy Lou Harris and uh, Linda Ronstadt, who uh, got together um, in the 80s um, as, I think they called themselves Trio, or at least the album was called Trio anyway. Um, I'm not sure they ever actually had a band name. But um, there was, I had no idea that this had happened until um, I watched a document, BBC4 documentary that was on the other day um, about them getting together. And it's just an extremely delightful documentary, loads of amazing footage of Dolly Parton looking incredible. And um, the way their voices sound together is just beautiful. It's one of those sort of country harmonies that is just a delight to listen to. And do you listen to a lot of country music? Um, I do. And I feel like I have been more so since the lockdown. Um, I don't know why or what that indicates, but um, yeah, I... I, I went to, um, it's actually almost 10 years ago, I went to Nashville because um, I was in America for my friend's wedding and I spent a lot of time driving around um, Tennessee listening to country radio and it was wonderful. And what music do they play in the shop? Do you play music in the shop? We don't actually. Every so often um, we'll put something on if we're having sort of a, if we're bored basically we do play a lot of um country music when we do that um in fact part of the reason that i've probably been listening to country music recently is um my colleague john john clegg um who some of you know um put together a playlist for uh will's um poetry launch that didn't happen um right. which i which i've been listening to it's a really good um on the bookshop spotify um, account you can look it up and listen to it um, so full of... world book um, country music that's published yes, by sorry. books just come exactly. out yeah um so what have you been up to girl since when did the shop close and what have you been doing since then 
Uh, so the shop closed before the official lockdown happened. Um, we just sort of decided that it was um, safer to to close. Um, and we, I mean, I've still been working. We are selling books, um, what we can. <laughs> and um, we've been continuing to post nonsense on Twitter, which is um, a big part of what the LRB Bookshop does. They do it very well. I think. <laughs> I mean, I can't claim responsibility for most of it because it is, again, my colleague John. If you were in the shop and I was walking in this afternoon and uh-huh. was asking for a recommendation of what I would should be reading right now of stuff that's kind of come out recently, yeah, what would you point me towards for kind of fiction and nonfiction. Um, I think I would point you towards um, Nisha Dolan's new book, Exciting Times, okay. um, which is a novel. Um, she's a young Irish writer. Um, it's a debut. Um, I I don't. I feel like a lot of people have been saying this, but I've been having real problems reading <laughs> during lockdown. Mm-hmm. I kind of I look. I when when it st- first started, I was like, I'm gonna have all this time to sit and read everything that I've been meaning to read. Um, and I my concentration is just completely gone, basically. So that hasn't happened but there's like there's been a couple of books that have really like broken through my um inability to concentrate on anything and exciting times is one of them um it's about a young woman who's living in hong she's a a young irish woman living in hong kong um sort of teaching english um not really sure what to do with her life um and it's just it's sort of very funny and fast and um yeah, it's just a really exciting first book. And I I mean, it's a terrible thing to say when someone's literally just published their first book, but I can't wait to see what she does next. Well, um, yeah. Okay, Gail, thank you for that. That was really wonderful. Um, yeah, and I look forward to the shop being open again. Um, which yeah, hopefully me too. Won't be too, <laughs> too far away. Um, yeah, we're hopefully. We're going to turn our attention now to, um, to Will Burns, who is once again in Poetry Corner. Um, the thing that I've been reading most recently, and I, I kind of agree with Gail, it is a kind of strange time to try and concentrate on a book, but I sort of made, made the bad mistake, really, of reading the Mark Lanigan autobiography <laughs> over the weekend, um, which is an absolutely extraordinary book, but is sort of wildly, um, not depressing is not the right word, what, how do you describe it, Will? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it is strange, isn't it? And um, perhaps... Um, you know, not not the most um, well, the opposite of a comfort read, that's for sure, um, and probably inadvisable to take it on in, 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 during a period of sort of other other stresses and uh, and anxieties. Go it's on. a book unlike any other, really. I, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. So it's a book that sort of charts his ten or first ten or fifteen years mainly, and concentrates on that period in the music business. He was the lead singer for Screaming Trees, and then has enjoyed a kind of um, a, a, a solo career afterwards. But the books particularly looks at, um, yeah, this period where he moves to Seattle and becomes a junkie um, and then documents his decline, really, isn't it? And I think you said it very well in your review of it on Caught by the River, where you said it's kind of, there's no upward trajectory. No. Um, I, I, I mean, partly I think that's the, 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 the period that he focuses on. So the... the book finishes with him at about, about 33, I think, um, you know, his solo careers had a couple of, uh, you know, real high points since then. Um, and, and he had his period where he was in the Queens of the Stone Age as well, which sort of um, gave him a, another lease of life, if I'm allowed to 
use a hackneyed old phrase, but um, but yeah, that that period is really um, you know, he sort of starts the book with a, a modicum of kind of uh, indie rock fame, and it and it really travels downhill sharp from there. Um, and for most of the most of the kind of narrative uh, time in the book, he, he's more of a local drug dealer than a than a rock singer, really. Um, yeah, and kind of resents going off on tour because it's. Because because he's worried about his income and things like that, and it's quite. It, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the, uh, honesty is a is a word that's used a lot to describe that genre of um, you know rock memoir. But um, it is pretty honest that that, that yeah, because they're very rarely honest. I think for kind of simple reasons, they're normally talking about people that are um, alive, uh, mm. and most publishers would have a kind of fit about. Um, naming other people in books doing illegal things um but he he does that kind of all the way through talks about all the people in the crew who are also strung out when he was that he's kind of um going off to kind of remote corners of cities to try and score with which again is something you just don't normally find and although there is some kind of you know at the end he does um he ends up in uh, rehab. It's a very harrowing journey. I think there's particularly the one passage towards the end where he's describing trying to go and score in Amsterdam. That is just awful. Just yeah. this kind of relentless attempt by him to find more money, get into the centre of town, then he gets mugged, then he gets ripped off. Um, yes. And the, and the kind of sickness is kind of coming on him. It's, yes. Yeah, I, I find that bit particularly... Um, Fantastic, really fantastic piece of writing. I thought. Yeah, I th- yes, yeah, so the the combination of the kind of horror show of the of the of the experiences, but but the, but he somehow manages to find a kind of um, a gallows humour and a and a prose style that that keeps you it's sort of not interested isn't the word, but you know it makes it compelling. I I, I guess. Thanks for listening to Soho Shortwave. If you want to hear more like this, you can subscribe to the podcast. Tune in live to the Musical Culture Channel at SohoRadioLondon.com or catch up on Mixcloud. This is a Soho Radio Productions podcast.